Well, we're at the beginning of a new year, and I thought um, as we begin this series on relationships, I would talk about why relationships are important to begin with. And so we're going to go back to the very first new year, the very first new year. So that you're going to find that at the beginning of your Bible in Genesis chapter 2. I want to begin in verse 7. This is what it says. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then skip with me down to verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper who was just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So how do we often greet the new year? Hopefully, right? I hope you greet it hopefully. Because before us, um, and I think what inspires that is we know what's behind us. Maybe it was a good year. Maybe it was a bad year. Maybe it was a sad one. Um, Whatever it is, we know that that's now over. And so as we look into the year in front of us, we see blank pages. We see life that can be lived, and we get hopeful, right? We think things can be different in this year, and I love that spirit of hopefulness that pervades us as we look at the, at the first of the year. In fact, two-thirds of you, if, if you follow the American trends, two-thirds of the people here today have made New Year's resolutions, just said. Here's what I would like to be different in 2013. And some years I do that, some years I don't, but I'm always inspired when I see people setting goals and then they look back at the goals and they said, did I hit that? Now here's the sad part. 23 or 66% of us make a goal. Now I want you to guess how many people who make goals actually achieve them. What percentage? 10 is too high. Five is too low. (laughs) It's eight. That's miserable. I mean, that's really a miserable percentage, you know, that we all, and, and it tells itself out, right? Go to the gym right now, what are you going to see? <laughs> right? Go to the gym in two months, what are you going to see? Crickets, you know? <laughs> Nobody. It's just going to be that one guy, you know, or whatever. We all, we're all like, we're going to be good, we're going to change. And here's the thing. Here's why I think we fail, and this is just my take on it is because when we come to the new year, we think that simply because the calendar turns over, things will be different. That we will be different people if we just wish it so. And that that doesn't ever happen, does it? I mean, we're too old to wish on stars or throw pennies in wells, except for maybe just fun. But we are not too old, you are not too old, I am not too old to believe that you can change, to believe that life can be better, 
to believe that you can be better by the end of this year, to believe that you can lose weight, you can. To believe that your relationships can be stronger, they can. Now, the number one goal, y'all know it, what is the number one goal? To lose weight, okay. We don't have a gym here and we serve sweet candy bread in the morning, okay? I'm not gonna be able to help you very much here, and I think that if I got out the carrot sticks or whatever, or maybe we started jogging while I gave the sermon, okay? Maybe we could do those things. But y'all, we're, you're not coming to church probably so that I can help you get your bodies in shape, although we can talk about that because that's part of your life. What I know that I can help you with, I'm certain, I'm, I think you should go to Gold's Gym for that part, okay? Or the YMCA or something, or get a running partner like Jana who works your hiney off but she's mine, okay? <laughs> um, get that going in your life. But you know what I can help you with is the number two resolution. The number two resolution people make, and actually it fills up the top 10, have to do with relationships. Have to do with, we want deeper, more meaningful relationships. We wanna appreciate people who are in our lives more and not be so focused on work or on TV or on our hobbies. We want to really, we always realize we're missing something with the people we love. And so what I can help with is I can help you with that. There's a lot that God has to say about how to have deeper relationships. So we're going to go into that this year. And my hope would be is that instead of just wishing it would be better, we will take steps together so that by the end of 2013, imagine this. Imagine what would it look like if your relationships were deeper, more loving, more meaningful, if forgiveness had permeated a relationship where there's just pain. Wouldn't that be a lovely place to be? I want to help you get there. And so that's what we're going to do in this sermon series. We're going to begin with why we need these other crazy people, because people are difficult, aren't they? They are just, you never know what they're going to do, and you think you love them, and then they step on your toe, or they, I mean, they do something much worse. I mean, we've all had problems. So we're going to talk about how to do the problems, why we need each other, why God put us into relationships, because we see it from the very beginning. And I wanted to tell you about how one couple started the new year this year, because I got to be there. I was, I did a wedding on New Year's Eve, and um, the couple that came to be married, he is a cancer patient. And he has been through four rounds of chemotherapy. He almost didn't survive the last one. And they came to me and said, we really want to begin 2013 with hope. And so we are getting married because we love each other and we want to walk through this together. And would you please do the wedding? And this was like five days before the wedding. I said, you know what? I will. I'll do that wedding. I'd love to do that wedding. And so we did the, went to the wedding and I was talking to the groom and he said, Pastor Laura, I don't think I can repeat my vows. I was like, uh-oh, you know, that's a problem if you can't say the vows, right? And I said, why, why not? And he said, because of all the chemo I've taken, I can't repeat like that. I can't remember what you've said and repeat it. And he said, would it be okay if you just said them? And I said something at the end. I said, of course it would. What do you want to say? And he said, I want to say, of course I do. And so what happened is during the wedding, he took his bride's hands in his own and he looked in her eyes and I said for in the name of God I John take you Amy to be my wife to have and to hold from this day forward for better for worse for richer for poorer in sickness and in health to love and to cherish until we are parted by death this is my solemn vow and he said of course I do and then when the rings came she repeated her vows and he slipped the ring on her finger listened to me and said yes I do and then I pronounced the man and wife, 
They kissed. There was thunderous applause for this new beginning that they were starting. And before they walked out, this is the amazing part that I want to tell you about. The, the groom stopped, and he held his new wife's hand, and he said to everyone there, he couldn't say his vows. He said, said I couldn't say my vows because of what chemo has done to me, but I want to tell you I would not be alive if it were not for this woman holding my hand. He said, I never would have made it. I would not have survived what I have been through. But she was there in the hospital room, and she slept in a chair by my side. And the reason we're getting married today on New Year's Eve is because we know that no matter what 2013 holds, we're going to be stronger if we're together. And everybody was just, there was not a dry eye in the whole house. The bridesmaids are all, <laughs> you know, everybody's crying. We're handing out tissues. And yet it was so joyful because these two people realized what God has created us for. God has created us not to walk through the good times or the bad times, the light or the darkness alone. He created us as relational people. We're made in God's image, right? And God is relational. Created an earth and instead of just putting yaks and warthogs and birds on it, put people, us, you, me, onto this earth and desires to be in relationship with us. So let's look at how Adam faced this first new year and what the problem was because there is a problem in creation once Adam comes along. Now, we look at Adam and this is a guy who had it all. Now think about it. Where did Adam live? The Garden of Eden. That's paradise, okay? He lived in paradise. He lived the place, okay, any of y'all, would you be like, if God said, you want to live in paradise? Nah, I'm good on Stowe Circle, you know, like, I'm good. I mean, I love my neighborhood, but if I could trade up for paradise, who wouldn't take that? Paradise. He lived in paradise. There was no illness in paradise. There was no evil. There was no sin or brokenness. He was never sick. He was never hungry. He didn't have to go to Whole Foods to get hormone-free food, right? What does it say? God placed the man in there. He made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit, right? He could just, eh, that's hormone-free. Adam was never hungry, it was beautiful, wonderful, delicious food that just walked right up to you or was right there on the tree, right? He never hungry. And he had the best job ever. God gave him in this new creation, he says in verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. What does Adam get to do? He's in charge of paradise. It's not a bad deal. And so then he, he tells them, you know, don't eat that tree. It's kind of fore, foreshadowing. Anything but this. And what do we go for? Mm, well, that looks like the best thing, and I can't have that. And so foreshadowing. We're not going to get there today. Um, but then we see this thing. So here's this man who's never been sick, never been hungry, um, lives in paradise. And God says, after saying that the world is good, 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 right? Everything that God created is good. God says so. And then very good is the completion. Then God says... It is not good. What is not good? It is not good for the man to be alone. Hmm. So God has created only good things, and yet he's only made one man, and that's not good because he's alone. Now, let me talk about this aloneness. The man, the one thing I didn't say is that this man has an intimate relationship with God, right? We hear that God walks in the garden with the man and the woman after she's created. 
face to face, holds their hand, and the best part of the day, they stop working, and they go for a walk with God. Like, God is the creator and the father of Adam. He breathed the breath into his nostrils. This is a loving, tender father-son relationship. This is the kind of relationship we should all strive for. And yet, even though Adam has that, God says he needs something else. Isn't that interesting? Because it is right and good to talk about our first relationship in life being with the Lord. Because God will heal you. He will lead you. He will show you the way to go in a way that no other human being can ever do for you. That is right. But when God looks at this man, he says, he's not complete. This is not good because nobody else is with him. He's alone. And alone is not good. He needs somebody like him. Now, I don't know if Adam really realized this. Because God is going to help him realize Maybe Adam did realize and he needs to help him see how great a match he's going to make because he says, I will make him a helper. And then God begins to make yaks and vultures and water buffalo and warthog and deer and dogs and looking for a helper, right? Have you ever, when you've been dating, let's just say dating, anybody ever dated a water buffalo? (laughs) A harpy or a yak or something like that? So Adam's looking at all these things, he's naming them, and what does it say? But still there was no helper just right for him. There's a lot of beautiful things in this earth. The earth is now filled with noise, it's filled with beauty, it's lovely, it's enchanting. It says that. But nowhere is the helper, the partner that's just right for this man. Now, we are going to be talking in this series about all kinds of relationships. We're going to be talking about family relationships, about friendships, because I think we throw away our friendships a little too easily in this society. Long-term friendships should be something that we strive for. But we're going to be talking about love relationships. And we do know that what God provides is a spouse. But I want you to remember that Adam was all alone, that there were no other men There were no other women. There was no community. There were just the animals and the birds and the fish, and they weren't like him. And so God is helping him see, no, not like me, not like me, not like me, to realize his need for for another human being. We were designed to need each other. And beyond having a life partner that we need, we were just designed to be in relationship. I have people, I hear this a lot, who um, for a long time, love the Lord, believe in God, and try to do it on their own, are worshiping at home or praying at home, and you can do that. You can. But I say, well, we talk about it, and they say, but then I came to the church, and there's other people near me, and we're on the journey together, and um, oftentimes their response is is to cry. Men and women, they say, I don't know why when I'm here, I just can't stop crying. I said, I think because you're seeing what was missing, that you need each other, that God made us not to do it alone. Adam had everything. It was perfect. There was no evil, and it still it wasn't good. And if we are designed in the image of God, then we are designed to be in relationship. So what God says is, he says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. Now, imagine, there's no other human beings, what God could have created for this man. He could have given him a mother, right? Pick up after him, do his laundry, <laughs> Cooking meals, didn't make him a mother. Could have given him a child to train up and teach and encourage. He didn't give him a child. Could have given him a buddy 
That way, when there was a really exciting yak race, they could have, like, watched it together and enjoyed it. Could have given him a servant, gave him a wife, a partner, a helper, someone to fill in the gaps in life. That's who God gave him. Now, that's the beginning relationship, and from there, all the other relationships of this world were created. So we have to think about that love relationship that God gave, and look at how... Look at how Adam responds, and I can never, I can never, I think about how to read this to you, and I can never decide what that at last sounded like. It's at last with an exclamation point, and I can't decide if he wakes up and he sees Eve different from all the other creatures, different from him and yet like him, you know, different and yet the same, and he says, yes, you know, like at last, or if, I, and I tend to go this way, he says more of a at last, at last you're finally here. Man, I saw a lot of warthogs before I saw you. <laughs> At last. And he says, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh, and she will be called woman because she was taken from man. And they have this very intimate, um, loving relationship. And I'm not going to get to talk about this. This is some in your study guide for this week. Um, but there's sacrifice, they, you know, the leaving of a home. Um, it's interesting because Adam doesn't have a mother and father to leave, and yet so we hear that there's sacrifice even from the beginning. Um, and the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Man, y'all, we wear armor, we wear masks all the time. And here's a person for Adam, for Eve, who they didn't have to have masks with. Just a person who they can be themselves with. And this is the kind of friendship, this is the kind of relationship, this is the kind of caring family that God wants us to have, the kind of relationship where we can really bear our soul, we can really have a partner, that for the good times and the bad times, and here's, here's what I think, that God knew, because he's God, that the darkness was coming. And so he didn't just put these two together so that they could skip around naked in the garden and love it, he put them together so that they could hold each other's hands when the darkness came, so that they wouldn't be alone. And we all know how this story goes wrong, right? We all know that there's a bite of fruit and then a second bite of fruit and there's a lot of blaming and finger pointing and sewing together of fig leaves and hiding and there's all this stuff and that death enters the world and they're kicked out of the garden. But I want you to remember that when Adam is kicked out of the garden, what does he do? He takes his wife's hand and she's only been called woman until then, woman, Adama. And he takes his wife's hands and remember he's the namer he names her. He says, you will be Eve. And Eve means mother of the living. So as they're facing life, as they're facing the curse, they take each other's hands. And Adam says to Eve, he says, life. We're going forward to life because we have each other. And that's what a relationship should be. Think about how Jesus did it. When Jesus had disciples, did he, or when he came into ministry, was he just like, it's just me? He gathered this group of people. There was an inner circle, and then there was an outer circle of many more people who supported him, who listened, who he taught. When he sent them out, he didn't say, go on your own. He said, take a friend. Two by two, he sent people out. Not with their spouse, with a friend for ministry. That's how God has always done things. When, when God called Moses, he had Aaron and her to lift up his arms, right? You need your friends. You need your spouse. You need your life partners. You need your, your family. You need these people. We need each other. And this is where I hope you hear me today because I know you as your pastor. I've pastored 
for 10 years now. I know you guys, I know the churches before. This is our problem. We are more than willing to help people when they are in need. And yet when we are in need, we are so resistant to help. You were designed to need help, to really need other people. You were not designed to do this life, to live this life on your own. And you will walk out of 2013 failing in your relationships if you think you've got it all together on your own. God knows you need other people, and that's why God put you here. That's why God put those people beside you, your friends, your spouse, your family, to encourage you and support you. So let me tell you about that wedding. When the bride, I'm going to the beginning now, when the bride walked down the aisle, guess what song she picked? She didn't do the bridal march. She walked down to Etta James's At Last. At Last. I mean, she was just, I love to be up at the front because you can see the bride and you can see the groom. And they were just, I mean, it was such love between the two of them. And so here's your homework. Because remember, things can't change if we just wish them better. Things have to change because we take action. And so since we're talking about why we need each other today, this is your homework. I want you to find the people you love. If you're married, I want you to take your spouse's hands later today. I want you to find your friends. I saw some of y'all doing it. I saw some people doing this right after the service with their dear friends. I want you to take their hands and look them in the eye and say, man, I saw a lot of warthogs and vultures before I saw you. <laughs> and this is what it felt like when I finally met you. And this is why my life is different and better. Why not good change to good? Because you're here. I want you to express that. Just say thank you. Just say I love you. You're such a great friend. You are such a great spouse. This is how life is different. And then as we go on into the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about what happened with Adam and Eve, about how sin entered and how we need forgiveness and how to get forgiveness and offer forgiveness, um, how to fight fair, um, how to not Things not to do, things to do. Um, next week, while I'm gone in Israel, you, we're going to have a counselor in here talking about the main things that she sees um, in relationships and how we can do better. We're going to look at all this together so that by the end of 2013, instead of just wishing, we will have all taken steps to be healthier in our relationships. I want to close with this. We're redoing our vision statement as a church, as a church. And we're, we're working on this in administrative council and with the staff and all kinds of things. And um, we're, we're not done yet. But the beginning of our vision statement speaks so much to this opening passage of Scripture and this need in our lives. It begins with, we are a community. There's two words. We are a community. Bee Creek is a community. It acknowledges that we need each other, that we are doing something different than the rest of the world because we're following God together that we have each other's backs, that if you come here, you are part of this body, part of this church. We are a community. We will get there together. So now as we begin to take, as we get ready for communion, if you have kids, if you want to get them and help them be part of this, then go get them. And we're going to watch this video. I hope it will inspire you as we step out into this new year. So, Maybe you're thinking about making some big changes or setting some ambitious goals for yourself. Maybe you want to lose 20 pounds or read through the Bible. 
Maybe you want to run a marathon or repair a broken relationship. Whatever your big goal is, the temptation is to expect to go straight from here to here, or from here to here. The reality is, there are a lot of small steps between big decisions and big results. Challenges and obstacles await. At some point, you might even want to quit. But stand firm. Don't be disappointed with slow progress. Don't be overwhelmed by the destination. Rather, focus on what you can do today. Skip dessert. Read a chapter. Go for a run. Make a phone call. The more difficult the journey, the more rewarding the destination. And it can all start today with just one small step. Our God has always been a God of relationship. And when he was about to give his life for us so that we could be free, Jesus gathered that group his disciples, and he ate a final meal with them, and he gave them a way to remember, a way to remember that he was with them still, that he was always going to be present, that he would always be powerful in their lives, and that he'd always be willing to forgive them because they were about to see how much they needed to be forgiven. And so at that last meal, the last supper, he took the bread and he thanked God and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and he said, Eat from this, everyone. This is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you eat it, remember me. And I would ask you to remember that we are all broken people, but it's this broken bread that helps us remember Jesus Christ who makes us whole. When the supper was over, he took the cup, and he thanked God, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, remember me. Remember, you are forgiven. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the meal that reminds us that we are made new, that reminds us that things always can be different because your power is at work within us. And so please wash away our sins. Wash away the mistakes of our past, Lord. Help us to be the people that you see in us and help us to do that together so that the world could be changed so that your kingdom could come. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite those who are assisting to come now, and I'm going to serve them, and then I'll serve you. And the way you're going to receive the bread is you're going to receive a piece of bread and then dip it into the cup and then eat both of them together. There are candles that you can light to symbolize your prayers. They're not just right up here. They're also near the back. Um, So if it's a little busy up here, you can go to the back and light those candles um, as a symbol of your prayer. As soon as I serve these folks, then the ushers will come and I'll invite you to come forward and take two. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much um, that you are always the first to recognize our needs, um, to move to meet them, and to answer the need that we had for forgiveness through Jesus Christ is the greatest gift we've ever had. And so we thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We're glad to be here in your house at the start of this brand new year. And I pray that you would work within us all so that by the time we get to the end, um, we would be just more grateful 
um, and more involved in the relationships and the people that you have given as a gift to us. Help us to be good caretakers of those people and those relationships. We ask this in Jesus' name, our wonderful Lord and Savior. Amen. As our response today, let's um, stand up and sing our closing song. And if you would like to join with this church, you know we'd like to have you. Come up and find me. I'm waiting here on the front row if that's your wish. Out of an entire creation that God declared good and very good, there was one thing that was not alone. Alone is not good. So you may, may you be grateful for the people that God has brought into your life so that you don't have to walk this world alone. Amen. And Happy New Year.